Your home is your place of peace. It's clean. It's welcoming. <sighs> and it's definitely not crawling with invading insects if you use Ortho Home Defense Max. Use it indoors on non-porous surfaces to treat and prevent cockroaches, spiders, and ants for up to 12 months. So your home can stay your place of peace, your work-from-home office, and your family's headquarters. Kill bugs inside, keep bugs outside, and love your home. Visit ortho.com for more. It's unclear to me whether Safe Sport is there to actually protect the athletes or whether it's there to protect the U.S. Olympic Committee from, like, lawsuits. You know what I mean? Like, it feels yeah. like whatever the mission is there, allowing a person with multiple credible allegations of sexual misconduct to the point where people on his own team are like, I don't feel safe around this guy. Jason, say that again. People on his own team. People on his own fencing team say this is a disgrace that he is allowed to be here and I don't feel safe. It happened last week with the Bucks, our world champs, after Giannis and Antupo drops 50 on the Suns. Uh, his last three games were a masterpiece containing numerous plays that will be on greatest NBA finals plays of all time. Highlight reels, Renee, it has been a season. You saw Milwaukee firsthand when they took down the Hawks. Sorry about that in the Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about it. Let's talk about what the Bucks accomplished in game six uh, this year, winning the finals, winning their first finals in 50 years since the days of Kareem and Oscar Robertson. Yeah, I think, you know, just what it represented, you know, for, for mm -hmm. Giannis, it was the third game this series with at least 40 points and 10 rebounds. Woo! But but what he kept saying in the press conference, like, you know, I did it the hard way. He wanted people to know. He wanted he, people to know that. He wanted he people wanted to know that he did it the hard way, in a, yes. meaning that he Milwaukee is a small market. Milwaukee is free agents aren't banging down the doors to play for the Bucks. He had a group of guys, PJ Tucker talked about it, who they consider themselves dogs. And I mean that in the best way possible. When you're a dog yeah. in sports, like that's the biggest compliment somebody could give you. And so they could, they felt like they were this overlooked group that didn't lean on superstardom that the NBA leans on, basically. And they went out and they put on their hard hats and they were dogs. And again, they look, they beat us in, in a series where we were rolling. I mean, we were beating healthy teams, much yeah. less an unhealthy Bucks team. And they just went about it. They put their hard hat on. I mean, it wasn't things that I can think of that they did in general, other than they just played hard every single second. They made it hard and they did the exact same thing to the Phoenix Suns. And so, I mean, you can't do nothing but respect it. And yeah. I'll just add this. Having lost to the Bucks, it does make it a little easier pill to swallow when you lose to the champs. So I ain't mad at it at all. That's all I'm going to say then, okay? What is your thoughts, Jason? Um, I it, it's, it's great for the league. It's great for the players. It's great for the city of Milwaukee. Giannis, in the NBA, I really struggle to think of a more likable star than Giannis. Like everything about this guy feels like it was written, you know, by a Hollywood screenwriter, uh, his upbringing in Greece, coming over to the U S 
you know, uh, a drafted outside of the top 10, nobody really knowing who he was and then, you know, becoming the type of player he is. And not only that, but the kind of player who I think cuts against a lot of our preconceived notions of things that a great player should do and say. You know, much has been made of the fact that uh, Chris Middleton uh, was the essentially the closer on that team. Um, the way that Giannis carries himself and the ways that he talks. Like, there's, there's a clip that was going around during the finals where he's talking about the free throw line, and he's saying, I've airballed him from there. You know, I've hit the I've hit the backboard. You know, uh, it's there's nowhere to go but up. There's nowhere, and you that's like you you would never hear Michael Jordan or LeBron saying I've airballed like talking about that in the way and the tone that he was using with this very self effacing like uh, level of humility that is really really um, it, it's really intriguing and exciting from from a player of his stature the way he's he let people into uh, the celebration that he was having with his family on Instagram live, the way, the, the way he let people see uh, when he went to Chick-fil-A to order his celebratory yes. 50 piece, 50 piece uh, nugget. nugget, baby, 50 piece nuggets. The way he, the way he uh, asked the Chick-fil-A employees consent, if he could put her on camera to be in front of 150,000 people, this is, he's just like a, a fun person to root for. And it's great to see, uh, you know, a, a market like Milwaukee succeed in a time when, you know, to Giannis's point, free agents, big name free agents are often leaving the place that drafted them or leaving the team they left after the team that drafted them to go to some other location, usually in a big coastal market, in order to join up with uh, free agents that are also superstars so that they can uh, win a championship. I, you know, is it that, is that the easy way? I think it's the easier way. I think both ways are still extremely hard as, as we saw uh, from what happened to the Brooklyn Nets this season. Um, but it's just, it, it's just like a wonderful thing for the league. And it was a wonderful thing to watch, you know? And I guess the one, the one thing that annoyed me, and you tell me how you feel about this, is people saying, oh, they got lucky. The Suns and the Bucks got lucky. You know, that the, if, if the Lakers are healthy, if the Clippers are healthy, the Suns don't come out of the, don't come out of the East. If the Hawks are healthy, if the Sixers had their act together, the, the Bucks didn't have to face them. Like they, they had the easiest path uh, to the finals. That annoys me because there is so much luck every year for every champion. But like what every time. What do you think about the the conversation around luck? So, Jason, literally so that people can get an idea of it, I have a very I had a very amazing coach. Her name was Cheryl Reeve. She's the mm -hmm. head coach still for the Minnesota Lynx. And she talks about that. It always takes a little luck to win a championship. Yeah. Athletes know that. You want to know what the athlete's part of luck that we talk about all the time is? It's staying healthy. Like yeah. that, you have to be lucky to stay healthy. There's no if, ands, or buts. Sometimes you might hit a lucky shot. You know, we saw Kawhi Leonard's shot bounce on the rim and stay yep. up there and hang up there. And, and, you know, he'll say it's skill because, yes, we practice those shots a lot. But the way that it fell, you know, we call it a little bit of luck. But... 
For people to discredit a championship, yes, that's annoying. People try to discredit the bubble championship. That might be, the, if we put an asterisk behind it, it might need to be because that was the hardest season ever. Not an asterisk because, oh, this shouldn't count for the bubble. And then now to this one, you can't put an asterisk or discredit a championship just because certain teams had players that weren't healthy. Like that literally yeah. happens every single year. Every year. Yes, maybe not to the magnitude of this year in a, in a shortened season and a condensed season. Maybe not this year. We've had maybe more injuries, but every year somebody, a key player gets hurt. Come on now. And then to discredit somebody's journey, I'm telling you right now, I, the the Milwaukee Bucks don't feel like this was an easier season because people got hurt. Absolutely. They got hurt. Giannis's knee bent the wrong way. He got hurt. Dante so- DiVincenzo, who has who is, been an important part of their team all season injured and did not play you're absolutely right injuries are, Trey are, Young stepped on the 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 ref's yep. foot and and which changed the dynamics of our whole season but you know like while I can still yell and joke yeah. while I can still yell and joke I'm like oh that's if that shoe if he didn't step on that ref's foot but of course that's just you got to toss it up to the game chalk it to the game so yeah I feel you there's no way that we can ever if somebody plays 80 games in a season or 70 games in a season there's no nothing. They played a full season of tough night in and night out work. So, yeah, no discrediting any of it. No one up here has been drinking. Oh. I was, first and foremost, how much champagne have each of you consumed? Just I, I feel like it's important before we get into this interview. okay so that to me was one of the best moments from the post-win festivities by the bucks after they defeated the suns and we're just lucky enough to be joined by the person who asked the really important question that night she's a turner sports nba reporter host and also my co-host of WNBA weekly my homie Kristen Lella, welcome to Take Line. Thank you. I, you know, I, I, I felt like you can't. There comes a point in the night where, like, the hard-hitting journalism and talking about momentum yeah. shifts in the third quarter have to be set aside. It's like, I'm watching what they're doing. Should we acknowledge that before we dive into this? Yes. Listen, yes, you should always acknowledge it. And look, we talked about it. You were in the building for the Bucks, and Giannis scored that 50-piece nugget. It was seen all around the world. What was that performance like to see in person from him and just the emotional celebration afterwards? I mean, you were there. Yeah, no, it was stunning. Um, to witness not just what he did, because that I mean, that was quite obviously stunning, yeah. but to I, I think the the number of Bucks fans that were either in the building or in the surrounding, like, several square feet totaled what would have been good for the fifth largest city in Wisconsin. So like, as I hear that, I'm like, (laughs) wait, so just, so just everybody that lives anywhere nearby is here right now. And what was funny is, so we have, you know, a car that comes and picks us up from the hotel takes us over to the arena. And I was riding along with Isaiah Thomas, our Hall of Famer, Isaiah Thomas. I don't, he doesn't like when I call him old Isaiah Thomas and young Isaiah Thomas. Uh, yeah. so, Shout out Isaiah Thomas. Hall of Famer Isaiah Thomas. Uh, and he said, as we're pulling into the arena, he goes, oh man, 
parties that I would be so looking forward to spoiling this party. I mean, there were just thousands and that like as far as the eye could see. So he was betting that the Suns were going to win solely because of the scene that it was as we were pulling into the arena. But to witness, I mean, again, one of the most stunning performances that we've seen in NBA Finals history was one thing. But to watch the like 90 or so thousand fans celebrate a first championship in 50 seasons was stunning. I've said far too many times, but I really can't think (laughs) of another word. You are uh, so immersed in, uh, you know, people who are around and covering this game and have been doing so for years, whether it's your work with TNT, NBA TV, Inside Stuff, uh, etc. It feels like to me from the outside looking in uh, that there's a different energy from those circles about the Bucks win. There's a real kind of like joy and happiness that it happened this way for this team, for Giannis. Um, would you say that's accurate? Is is there like a different energy uh, from from people who have been who follow the sport very closely? Like you know it. In comparison to, say, if the Lakers won again or if the Nets had won, it feels different. No, it really does. And and that's a great question. I hadn't even really thought of it. But, you know, so often casual, I would say casual NBA fans or just sports fans in general, their primary Mm -hmm. complaint is, well, the season's already decided before the season begins. Well, I don't need to see LeBron and the Warriors face off in yet another NBA Finals. But realistically, if you look over the, the course of league history, the NBA itself has always been defined by dynasties. It's been yep. one really great team yeah. season after season after season yep. until somebody finally comes in and dethrones them. And then typically that team is good for season after season after season. And so I think one of the reasons why this feels so exciting is because the season didn't feel decided before it began. Yeah. The postseason itself didn't feel decided before it began. In fact, it felt wide open for the first time in maybe five or six seasons for sure. And so I think that's one of the reasons that people were so excited, but I think another is, is simply to watch this emerging superstar in Giannis claim his corner in the industry itself. And that was, I mean, when you add that to what it took to get there from where he started, it's simply, a story that you couldn't have written any more incredibly. And it's a person that I think all of us can, can get behind and root for. Um, unless of course you're a Phoenix Suns fan, then I would imagine this story (laughs) didn't feel like quite a fairy tale, but I think it's a combination of all of those things as to why perhaps the casual fan would feel more rooted in it than usual. The, the hall of famer would feel more excited about the emerging superstar. I I think they're just a combination of factors that made people more excited for the bucks than I would undoubtedly agree with you than in, in winners past. You know, that's interesting because you talk about, you know, the history of the league and the dynasties. And I want to get to something real quick when we talk about the NBA and legacy, because I think you had just a really powerful moment on your show with Karan Butler when you were covering the NBA bubble and the players had agreed to come back and play after, you know, the season was halted in response to the murder of George Floyd. Now, you covered the league for so long. What 
like with everything that's going on, how the league has been at the forefront of everything going on when it comes to social justice and you've covered the league and these players, what impressed you about just how the players have transitioned from standing up for social justice to now, you know, completing another season? Like what has just impressed you about the players the most just in that push of everything? We've created a culture in which there's, there are a lot of microphones. There's a lot of noise Mm. and there are a lot of people speaking very loudly into them as well. So to be given one, that somehow sounds a little louder than the rest in a moment where the millions of people paying attention are desperately looking for hope. They're desperately looking for something to hold on to when it feels like the bottom is falling out. Um, To be given a microphone in a moment like that and to cover the many men and women who are given microphones in moments like those. I, I think it was that day that, that you mentioned with Quran, uh, one of the very first things that I started out saying was I, I, I quoted Malika who, who said that day, um, mm. there are those who chronicle history and those who make it. And on this day, I feel very fortunate to be a chronicler of of history. And that is very much what this last year and a half has felt like. Um, in, in some ways and on some days, I've been asked to speak myself. And on some days, I'm simply asked to cover those who are speaking and to have the opportunity to, to chronicle all that has been in a stretch of days where those who are watching, those who are paying attention are desperately seeking something to hold on to has felt like just such, such a gift. Wow. Um, What is it, what is it about these leagues, the NBA, the W that place them at the forefront of these kind of conversations, obviously athletes in other sports and other leagues are, are outspoken as well, but there, there seems to be a different, energy around the NBA and the W with regards to social issues and the way that they are part of the conversation, the way they move the conversation, the way they amplify conversations. It's, it feels decidedly different than, than our other sports. You're so close to these sports. What do you think it is about these sports that, and these leagues that allows that to happen? Candace says often, and I don't want to butcher it because she says it beautifully <laughs> every time, uh, that the WNBA is, I believe she says that the majority of the minority, majority of the minority. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's not that we all have simply chosen to speak for those who don't have a voice. It's that we are the ones who didn't have one. And, and so this isn't as if we're identifying areas of the culture we've created mm. um, and, and, and giving them a voice. It's simply taking the one that has been given to us and previously wasn't heard. And, and so, I, again, she says it so much more beautifully than, than I can. <laughs> um, but that's one of the many reasons why I believe that um, my dear friends in the WNBA, Renee included, um, have chosen to be at the forefront of these conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and basketball in and of itself has seemed to be in my lifetime anyway, um, at the forefront of our culture. And so it's not surprising to me uh, that 
There are basketball players whose voices are the loudest when they're asked to speak up. I think it just required a moment where everybody stopped long enough to listen. No, I I completely agree. I felt like, you know, I feel when in times like those, that's when leaders stand up. And a lot of times in sports, that's what you're creating at all times, those leaders. And just to transition a little bit to Olympic hoops, but still talking about leaders, the men's basketball team had their first loss since 2004, losing to France on Sunday. The women, on the other hand, have not lost a game since 1992. Now, we know they played <laughs> yeah. Nigeria How on Monday. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, I just to throw that out there. Yeah. In case people didn't know, the women, I'll say that again. It is, I did not misspeak. The women have not lost a game since 1992. Now, as someone who's covered basketball as long as you have, how do you see the Olympics playing out for the U.S. basketball teams? Like, is it Operation Gold is normal? Or there's some people that are starting to kind of glance at the panic button on the men's side and being like, we lost two in the exhibitions. Now we lost one in the actual Olympics. So, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, I, I think that glancing in the panic button's direction is fair at this point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, this isn't an 82-game season we've got in Tokyo. Uh, <laughs> realistically, as often as the conversation surrounds, you know, the world catching up, you know, the, the world has caught mm. up to the United States in terms of basketball talent. In a lot of ways, that is true. In other ways, we have got a roster stacked full of the very best individual talent in the world. And I don't believe that that's arguable. Uh, Unfortunately, a roster of the best individual talent in the world is not, at least in these last couple of weeks, translating into the best team in the world. And so whether that's roster issues that need addressing or the offensive scheme we've chosen in which to put on the floor, mm-hmm. period. Uh, I, at this point, again, you can't argue that we, being Team USA, have the very best talent on the roster. Yeah. But that doesn't always mean that you're going to walk away with a gold medal hanging around your neck. Uh, on the other hand, um, because the women's team hasn't lost since I was, I guess I was like three and a half. <laughs> so I, I, our women's three on three team uh, also unbeaten sh- right now. Shouts to the women's three X three squad too. Kelsey Plum, Jackie Young, Stephanie Dolson. Stephanie Dolson. They're, I think that's been like the most people. fun addition to the Olympics this summer, right? I agree. I agree. It is so watchable. It's, it is so, so watchable. It is there's such no, good there's television. Never a pl- Yes. Yeah, there's never a playoff. Everybody's cutting and no. moving. It's really fun to watch. If you're trying to sell somebody on the game of basketball, it's like, oh, just watch this for a little while. Like, yeah. if that doesn't keep your attention, I don't know what's going to. So, again, because that was the last time the women lost, I don't feel like I'm in a fair position as a three-and-a-half-year-old to analyze <laughs> the state of that. Uh, <laughs> so, so, Operation Gold. At least yeah. one team is coming back with a gold medal. <laughs> bada boom, yeah. bada bang. Um, around that anxiety around Team USA, it's so interesting because obviously, again, the men's Team USA, the women are doing great. Um, it weirdly feels like the kind of casual sporting public only really checks in on Team USA when we lose. Yeah, right? no, Does absolutely. That seem- 
it, 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 you know, obviously, like Redeem Team, that was a reaction to to a loss. To the losing, team, right, the, yeah. <laughs> the first great Dream yeah. Team was a reaction to losing in '88, or you know, not not winning the gold medal. Um, if we if if we lose this year, if we don't medal, what's sure to come is like a reaction, right? And is it is it strange to you that like I guess is is it strange that we just kind of like don't care unless. Team USA fails? Uh, I, I don't know if it's that we don't <laughs> care unless they lose. Right. I think it's more so that we're not having an ongoing 24-hour conversation surrounding right. the team unless they lose. So do we take it for granted then? Is it almost oh, like yeah. we assume we're going oh, to win sure. until yes. we lose then? And yeah. then it's like, what? We lost? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's some kind of, you know, it's a natural human instinct when you know yeah. that you're very good at something to go, OK, well, how much can I scale it down? If we were presenting some sort of comparable roster to literally any other that were there in Tokyo, mm-hmm. then I, maybe the conversation's fair. Then, you know, maybe it is the rest of the world has caught up and well, look, it, but the roster is not you, comparable across the board. And we're losing. You you mentioned that, uh, uh, you know, Greg Popovich, coach of Team USA, uh, was recently quoted talking about Patty Mills and the way he performs when oh, yeah. he's playing for his national team. Uh, the, the rosters of, of the national teams for other countries are dotted with NBA players, many of them role players, Nando DiColo, for instance, uh, for France. Uh, but Dame Lillard said recently, man, when these players go home, they're just different are they different what what is it about them is it just the inspiration of playing for their home country is it something else like why do they perform so well i think there's a pride that comes with playing for your your it's the same as when we want to make the olympic team look i was a part of the olympic pool for team usa and there is a certain pride when you can represent your whole country as opposed to uh, one of 12 teams in There's the WNBA. So I think that's a fair statement, but it's also very entertaining that the, the NBA players are like, yo, what's good? Like, yeah, all right. of a sudden, now you are... <laughs> <laughs> like, I, also fair, by the way. I think it's also worth not simply measuring up the talent on Team USA's mm-hmm. roster in comparison to the talent on any other roster, but yeah. also the way in which those rosters are assembled. And sure. and realistically, rather than gathering just the very best and most dominant all-star individual players that we can, yeah. perhaps it's worth examining the way in which we build the roster. Because look uh, at the team, you know, that- like look at the teams that are beating yeah. Team yeah. USA and 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 no on any given day, this is not a roster full of players that should beat this roster full of players, but perhaps they're more suited for playing together. No, I mean, that's a big debate. We've we've heard about it on the women's side as well. Like, what's the best complete team? I mean, Trey Young, he, w- he went to the internet to basically mm-hmm. say that he didn't make the team, showed his shoes, which were lit. I love the red, white, and blue <laughs> colorways. I met the criteria. Yeah, to that point. Yes, for being selected. The criteria, but, right. <laughs> exactly. So I, I see where you're going with this. Now, I mentioned at the top when I was introing you about WNBA Weekly, which was really the first show dedicated to nothing but the WNBA. Now, we just had our all-star game, and now we're in the second half of the season. But like, what storylines are you most excited about heading into the second half of the WNBA season? Because there are a lot. First of all, I have missed 
getting to be in the studio with you the last yes. several weeks. Uh, not just because you've been successful. By the way, she's missed because she's only been covering the NBA finals. So she had to leave us for a couple weeks. Just shame for a on you, Kirsten. Weeks. Yeah, but I will be back. <laughs> um, oh, man. There was so much hype surrounding the WNBA All-Star Game and the way in which that it was yeah. going to be formatted this season. I was so psyched to get to watch like Team USA take on Team All-Star because there was a lot of conversation surrounding it as well. Yes. Like, are these equally matched all-star teams? And turns out they are, you know, which <laughs> a- again goes back to a point that you've made several times on our show, which is put together a roster of WNBA talent, three of them, send us all over to the Olympics and we'll come back with bronze, yeah. silver, and gold. Mm. And that's no yeah. disrespect worldwide, but that's just speaking as highly as is appropriate of WNBA talent. Um, so quite obviously I'm psyched about the postseason. Um, I'm always excited. Uh, okay. I was a Candace Parker fan long before we worked <laughs> together. I want to point this out. I was I, waiting on it. No, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But like, I, I feel like I need to, to preface it for those who don't like, I was a Candace fan long before we met long before we worked together and long before <laughs> she agreed to do a show with me. Like what, you know, I, so that's st- <laughs> like, it's still like, what? Um, so, so no, I was rooting for her always, but I, I'm really excited to see what she does for her hometown, yeah. you know? Mm. And, and so for me, that's the like, can't miss night in and night out. Who am I always going to be watching? Who am I always going to be rooting and for? And look, you don't have to give a disclaimer for your fandom. I like this. We hear all the time reporters on the NBA side who they're fans of on the NBA side. So yes. look, I'm here for you saying that you want to see what Candace can do for the city of Chicago. That's something. Her homecoming. By the way, you and I, Renee, have talked a lot about off the air that I think needs to be said on the air, which is just the coverage of the W period has been very yep. um, celebratory for just season after season. Whereas if we want to talk about covering the WNBA the way we cover the NBA, then we are talking about what you're wearing walking into the arena. We are going to be critical. Trash talking. Without a doubt. We're going to talk about the two that we're going back and forth on Twitter. We're going to, it doesn't have to be celebratory to get people to watch. It has to simply be part of our culture's conversation. And that's one of the things that I've really yeah. loved about what's happened in this last season and this last couple of seasons. Um, just the coverage itself is starting to shift in that direction. Love it. She is a host and reporter for Turner, Kristen Ledlow. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Kristen! Thank you for having me. I was so excited. This is your last chance to enter the Ohio Lottery's Fun Turns 50 promotion. Score $3,500 and two tickets to the epic party at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, where you could win part of another $400,000 in cash prizes. Enter the new 50th anniversary scratch-off or $50 worth of eligible non-winning $5 or $10 scratch-offs and my lotto rewards through the Ohio Lottery app. Hurry up. The last entry deadline is May 13th. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. Renee, the Olympics are underway and the opening ceremonies took place July 23rd. As of this recording, the United States of America is in second place in the gold medal count right behind Japan. 
there's a lot of controversy about whether this Olympic should take place. But that being said, are you watching it? Has anything stood out to you? Uh, any any sports that you're being introduced to? How's your Olympic yes. uh, content oh. been? Well, my Olympic content has been all over the place. I have been in a very tough moral dilemma, Jason. I really have. (laughs) We have things starting at 3 a.m., 4 a.m. I have to adult the next day. I'm supposed to be talking to you the next day. So I want to get sleep, but I also want to watch stuff live because then when I wake up, and I check Twitter and everybody's telling me everything that happened in the men's game versus France. And I'm like, oh, and, and even though I rewatched it at 4 p.m. on Sunday, it just wasn't the same as I already knew what to expect. You know, sports just aren't the same live. So I had to to just say that because I have really been struggling. Like, I want to watch everything to answer your question. I've got to catch a couple 3x3 games. And I think that that has been the breakout of the Olympics in a sense of we all knew it was coming. There was, you know, in the basketball world, you know, I've done a lot of different things with Red Bull and other companies trying to push Mm -hmm. 3x3 to make it more stable here in the United States. But to see it now on the Olympics stage, I mean, it is as good as advertised. And I think that it can get your all different types of viewership but what I'm really waiting on is bring me the track and field. Hashtag yes. Lesha Carey run. She should be out there. But track and field yes. is my favorite part of the Olympics. So that's what I'm really waiting on, Jason. What about you? What you looking forward to? What you into? The 3X3 has been super fun. Like really, really, really fun. As a basketball fan, it is. Yeah. There's always something happening you can kind of zone in on any player on defense or on offense at any point during any yeah. play and learn something about the game. And there's no plays off. First of all, these players are, you know, on a five on five game in the W or the NBA. Sometimes, you know, you'll see someone who's tired. They'll 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 jog up the court. They'll yep. go to the corner. <laughs> they'll go stand in the corner. They'll do something to take a take a possession off. There are no possessions off in the 3x3. It is cutting and moving off a made basket. You're trying to get the ball back. You're trying to get the ball to your inside person. You're trying yeah. to space. There's so much happening all the time, and it's been super, super fun to watch. Skateboarding has been really fun uh, and and ping pong. I think that there – I agree with you. It's hard to follow sometimes. I personally think this is going to be a hot take. Hot take for me. I think there are too many sports. I think oh, if your sport – Oh, goodness. I think if the – I think if your – I think if your sport has an international competition that is bigger than the Olympics, then you shouldn't be in the Olympics. Like for for soccer, football for the rest of the world, I don't think soccer should be an Olympic sport because I think the World Cup is way bigger than the uh, Olympics. Okay, like that's that's the pinnacle yeah. competition, right? So I don't uh, baseball. I don't know if they should be there. Like that's, but track and field. Um, weightlifting, the Philippines just won their first ever Olympic gold medal, uh, behind okay. Hidalin Diaz. Congrats to her. Congrats to the country. First gold medal in close to a hundred years. Um, wow. but like stuff like that, track and field, uh, uh, weightlifting, Greco-Roman wrestling, all that kind of stuff. A hundred percent should be in there. I think that there's a lot of other sports that maybe shouldn't make it, but I, I've been really enjoying three X three and really enjoying uh, the skateboarding. Super fun. And ping pong. Excuse me, table tennis. I call it ping pong. I'm sorry if that's disrespectful to the table tennis athletes, right. but I we enjoy watching no that. No disrespect as well. here. You mentioned Shikari. 
we should say, so of course, uh, Shikari Richardson was not allowed to participate in the Olympics due to a positive test for marijuana, a substance that everyone agrees is not a performance enhancer, but is technically against uh, the rules and is a banned substance uh, by the IOC. There is one of the controversies currently revolving around the U.S. and the Olympics in general is the inclusion of Alan Hadzik, who is a fencer. Uh, Mr. Hadzik has numerous accusations of sexual impropriety lodged against him by three individuals. Those three individuals are supported by uh, numerous witness statements. And he was initially suspended from fencing activities. That was overturned on June 29th. Safe Sport, which is the nonprofit independent agency that was created in 2017, in part as a uh, reaction to the Larry Nasser abuse incidents has allowed Mr. Hadzik to to be part of the Olympics. He can't stay at the Olympic Village. They've created this entire structure around keeping other athletes safe. He has to have somebody with him when he's around other athletes. And it is notable to me how far SportSafe and the U.S. Olympic Committee is going to bend the rules or amend the rules in order to allow this person to play versus the situation with Shikari where it's like, well, those are the rules and the rules are the rules and the rules are the rules and that's it. Um, what do you think of this? And how, Jason, how this is a hot see, mess. How many times can we see two, two sets of rules for people in sports, in various forms of life before we, we change this? This is a hot mess. Hashtag let Shakari run. This is, yes, it's please. just silly to me because I'm just, it, it just m- blows my mind that there's certain rules that whenever it's brought up, and, and, and for instance, marijuana, it's like, no, 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 that's been set in stone since 1998. Right. And we can't change yeah, we can't it. Do that. Of course not. We're not going to change the rules for anybody. That's silly. All the athletes have to pay by the same rules. These are tweets that I kept seeing about when it came to Shikari. Oh, no, athletes don't get to get preferential treatment. No, we're right. not going to create a whole different set of rules. Yes, you did. Look what they did for Allen. I mean, that's literally a whole different set of rules. I 100% agree with you. He's not staying in the Olympic Village. He's got to have somebody around him. They've created this entire structure around him so that this person who, again, he's not even a starter. He's there to replace somebody if somebody gets injured. He's coming off the bench. Shikari is a star. At what point does Safe Sport and, and whoever else like, why didn't they give Shikari that same type of energy? Why didn't they keep that yes. same energy when it came to Shikari yes. Richardson that they kept for Allen? Like, if if he's going to be able to stay 30 minutes away from Olympic Village, take his own flight, get all these other preferential treatments. And look, they are preferential treatments because he has to have a babysitter with him at yes. all times. Well, why didn't they had, put a babysitter? a job for somebody. You just hired. Why didn't we create... Why didn't we get a babysitter for Shikari then? Hey, Shikari, you can't do marijuana while you're at the Olympics. So we're going to have a babysitter with you that makes sure that you don't do it in case you have a relapse. Why didn't they give her that same energy is all I'm saying, because a lot of people had very strong opinions about, well, Shikari knew the rules and she broke them. Well, does Alan know the law? Because if these allegations are true and he has broken the actual law 
in the United States. Well, what makes it so different? And that's what I mean by people have so many opinions when it comes to one thing. But when we look at the system and how the system is breaking things down, well, why did Allen get to perform and Shikari didn't? That That's the question that everybody has to answer then. Both of them apparently broke some type of rules that needed some preferential treatment, but one got it and one didn't. Yeah, it's, it is really really startling uh, the levels that we are willing to go to apparently to allow this guy to, to compete. He was suspended from Columbia, his, where he, uh, where he also competed as a fencer in 2013, 14 because of an investigation into similar allegations. This has been going on again for a while. Um, It's honestly startling. And I think regarding safe sport, Obviously, something needed to be done when the hideous uh, Nasser crimes came to light. Uh, it is still a black eye on you know the U.S. Olympic Committee that 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 went on for such a long amount of time that people knew about it and it was not brought to light for as long as it was going on. But I think regarding safe sport, it's unclear to me whether safe sport is there to actually protect the athletes or whether it's there to protect the U.S. Olympic Committee from, like, lawsuits. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like whatever the mission is there, allowing a person with multiple credible allegations of sexual misconduct to the point where people on his own team are like, I don't feel safe around this guy. Jason, say that again. People on his own team. People on his own fencing team say this is a disgrace that he is allowed to be here and I don't feel safe. The fact that safe, it's in the name, safe sport. Safe is in the name of the agency. The fact that safe sport somehow is powerless to do anything about this is insane to me. That is ridiculous. And they need to figure out as an agency, like, what's your what's your mission? Well, they're really a nonprofit created as an independent agency in 2017 to safeguard athletes in Olympic related sports from sexual, emotional and physical abuse. Right. They oversaw both decisions that we're talking about. So, yeah, they we really have to figure out what side of safe sport. What what are they like? Because are they protecting the other fencing athletes from Allen? Maybe that's like, you know, I'm seeing it multiple ways. Is that like, hey, we know the decision that was made. So this is the best way that we can protect the other athletes from Allen. Is that what they did? I don't know, but I'm just trying to figure out because I don't I just think that, man, that's a lot of effort put into letting somebody with a history and allegations perform in the Olympics, which should be an honor to represent your country. I feel like we're doing a lot for Allen. That's just my personal. I feel like we're doing the most. I want to read this this uh, snippet from a BuzzFeed article about this incident. This is from the article. On May 20th, Angan and a group of Team USA fencers, including two Olympians, emailed the U.S. Olympic Committee expressing their deep concern about Hasdik's potential presence in Tokyo. These are members of his team. Uh, again, continuing in the article, a few days later, an email reviewed by BuzzFeed News, the, the Olympic Committee replied that they had shared the matter with SafeSport, provided a list of mental health services, including a subscription to the meditation app Headspace and another, quote, app that provides athletes with a suite of online tools and courses that help athletes identify, understand, and address their mental health. That was their only response, Angan said. It was unbelievable. They gave them a subscription to to Headspace. I don't know 
of headspace would make me feel safe. No, this is going back eight years. This is going back eight years, no. some of these allegations. It's really nuts. And again, not a crucial member of the team. A bench guy. A fill-in in case someone gets injured. It's really scary. And then just to see, and, and just to kind of, Shikari Richardson had yes. been working to perform in this Olympics for a minimum of four years. Most athletes work their whole lives. And the reason yes. that is so tough is because, yes, she broke the rules by by partaking in marijuana in a city that it was legal in. But to for somebody's hopes, dreams, aspirations, blood, sweat, and tears to be taken away that easily over we know her biological mother. And then not to mention, here's another yeah. thing. Megan Rapino, along with other athletes, are sponsored by a CBD company. And yes, I know there's a difference between CBD and Still. THC. Yeah. And I understand that there's a difference. But when all of this is around the cannabis topic and we have athletes openly expressing that they're using parts of cannabis, you know, like when you talk about marijuana, there's medicinal purposes that people use for it. Yeah. Even when you talk about like anxiety, pain, you know, people use it. Cancer patients are known to use it. We know that there's benefits and now athletes are coming out saying they're using CBD. And now it makes it even more crazy that this Shikari Richardson situation is happening because look what's really going nuts. on. It's really nuts. I mean, it just shows you like how how structural racism and structural injustice kind of works, right? It's not always about, you know, rank brutality or someone calling someone a slur what it often is and the way that these structures in, interact with people's lives like on a daily basis is, are we willing to give one person the benefit of the doubt and not the other person? Are we willing to figure something out to, to allow one person to compete or to have a job or to do something to interact with society or the economy or whatever? And are we not willing to allow that for another person? And that's yeah. basically what we have here, right? With Shikari, that's a letter <laughs> of the law. Sorry, we looked into it. We'd love to change the rules. Maybe we'll look into that later. We agree that uh, marijuana is legal in half the country, but like we can't change the rules right now. We can't do that. Uh, for Mr. Hasek, it's it's okay. Well, we'll give everybody else uh, uh, mental health apps that they can listen to, and we'll make him stay off campus. Uh, but Crazy. you know, listen, uh, uh, due process is what flight. it is. Yeah, give him his own. But due process is what it is, and and the wheels of justice must turn, and the investigation must be allowed to, to run its course. It's just it's ridiculous, silly. and it makes you insane. And and then, you know, Megan Rapino, she had an article in Forbes come out about this whole situation, not specifically Shikari, but her being sponsored by a CBD company. And she makes a very valid point as to why we need to stop the foolishness, stop the madness. Yeah. She said, we're expected to perform on the biggest stages and highest levels, yet we can't use all natural products to help us recover. She also went on to say, it's not right. And these policies need to be changed to reflect where our culture is. That's the point where our culture is now. You know, there wasn't a there wasn't a lot of research when it came to marijuana and medicinal uses of it when a lot of these rules were in place. They didn't know all the effects, how you could break it down, only use certain parts and this and that. But now that we do know, we can't just keep the same rules and policies and regulations as if we don't know. It makes no sense. 
We need to adjust with the times. And so this was just a great opportunity for the Olympic Committee to adjust with the times in real time and say, okay, Shakari, we know that she broke the rules. But mm-hmm. as we know, with where we're going in medicinal use for marijuana, we understand that that's not a big deal. And so she can uh, come on. USA. She could have still ran the four by one. I mean, come on. Like, that's that's the thing. There shouldn't even be a stigma as to, oh, well, we're not going to have Shikari run the four by one because it's maybe not a good look that she mm-hmm. got dinged for for using marijuana. What are y'all talking about? She should definitely be at least running in the four by one. It's like we're past this, right? Like, aren't we past this? Apparently not. Welcome to Take Survivor, the game in which only the strongest takes survives. You know the rules. You know how it goes by now. Please welcome our contestants today. She is the host of What A Day, moving on to much brighter and much greener pastures. Can't wait to see what happens next for this contestant, Akilah Hughes. Akilah, how are you? Hi, Jason. I'm so good. Excited to have a take. Excited to say it. <laughs> yes. He is a producer on this podcast, a stand up comedian, a bon vivant, a man about town. Zuri <laughs> Irvin. Zuri, how are you? I feel good. Uh, I feel relaxed. And uh, I just hope to not lose immediately. So we shall see. <laughs> well, uh, hoping that for you as well. She is a producer on this podcast, and she wants it more, maybe, than any contestant in the history of this game. Caroline, rest in, rest in peace. Caroline, how are you? I am so salty. I don't want this at all. I'm just, I'm just here for a good time. I don't know what you're talking about. And finally, she is the co-host of this podcast, the co-owner of the Atlanta Dream and a two-time WNBA champion, Renee Montgomery. Renee, how are you? What's goody? I'm glad to have you here, Akila. Some competitions. Caroline, <laughs> wow, I love for you to be wow. here every time. Listen, oh Caroline, I just, let me finish. I said I vote for you to be here every time. And Zuri, what's good, bro? I'm here. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> you know the rules. You know how it goes. Three rounds, three prompts. Our contestants will give their takes. The jury, which includes our contestants and everyone else, the producers on this Zoom, will then vote on which of those takes is the weakest and which of those must be ejected from our contest. Then we get to the final round in which our jury will vote for who has the best take, the strongest take. Are you ready for round one? Here we go. Let's get it. Who will be the 2022 NBA Champion. The Milwaukee Bucks just won their first NBA championship in 50 years. Who is going to win it next year? Zuri, let's start with you. Who will be the 2022 NBA champion? Okay, um, I vote to keep it in the family. I think any Antetokounmpo brother will be a champion next year. Yeah. We know Giannis won this year with uh, with older brother Thanasis. Kostas won last year with my Lakers. 
if, and he has a younger brother, Alex, who's playing in Spain. If all four brothers end up with four different teams next year, that gives me a 13% chance to win a championship. I'll go any wow. Antetokounmpo brother, throwing a little bit of math. I don't know if that helps. I don't know if that hurts. Any Antetokounmpo brother. Any brother. I think this that would be uh, that would be an amazing thing, and I think a first in NBA history. We've had many siblings uh, in the league uh, over the years, but this would be. I think this would be something new. Uh, Akila Hughes, who will be the 2022 NBA champion? Okay, so my original take is that, uh, you know, anybody, any team that has the most UK players would win because I'm a big college basketball fan. But uh, I realized that that's hard. They go everywhere. So I'm picking <laughs> yeah. the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, I love okay. Brooklyn. I'm moving back. I can't wait to be there. Their, their deck is stacked. Everybody who was injured is healing. <laughs> it is time. We have Kyrie. We got KD. We got James Harden. We got Blake Griffin. <laughs> he can be there for the jokes. There's all kinds of stuff for everybody. Also, the food in Brooklyn, I think it's going to power these boys up. That's all I'm saying. Brooklyn! Breaking news, you're moving to Brooklyn. I know. Breaking news. I'm out. I like Brooklyn. Great answer. Thank you so much. The Brooklyn Nets, Akila Hughes. Caroline, who will be the 2022 NBA champion? Look, as Jean Favreau says, I'm also not in the prediction business, even though this is kind of my specialty. But if I had to choose, as an ignorant Golden State Warriors fan, I say we're ready for another Cinderella story. Golden State Warriors. I mean, we got my baby Clay coming back. We got Ooh. the Splash Brothers. We got Draymond's cute ass smile. We got Steve Kerr being tall. The dream team is back. Warriors 2022 are going to win, and I'm 100% confident in this. Okay. Wow. I mean, just to be clear, the height of a basketball player? Yeah. Steve Kerr is tall. You think your team has the most height? When a coach is tall, you know he's giving his team tall Energy. <laughs> big tall energy. Going out there to the players. Big tall no energy. <laughs> no wow. shorties. No shorties also, on the I'm sideline. Also, I'm sure he's talented and skilled in coaching, but you know. He's- oh, wow. <laughs> Absolutely no shorties on that NBA sideline. Uh, Renee, who's going to win the 2022 NBA championship? Okay. So since everyone's talking about healthiness and getting their team back healthy, Well, let's just think about this. If we get healthy, we got, and this is a flashback to Thanksgiving, we got Trey, John, Capella, Mm. McMillan, 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 you name it, but we got a lot of people. (laughs) We got a lot of people coming back. If we talk about healthy and we can still draft and we got uh, Mm. Cam Reddish, we got a red velvet, we got a healthy Trey that didn't step on a ref's foot, which yes, I'm a little still salty (laughs) that the team we lost to went on to win the championship, but wow, imagine that if we were healthy. What an answer. Why didn't why didn't uh, Team USA select Trey? They need him right now. I know. And Trey had the colorways. You saw the new yeah. Trey Youngs came out. Yeah, the the Trey Youngs, he was ready to go in his red, white, and blue. Shame on him. Let's go to the voting. All the people, fine people on our Zoom, that includes the contestants. They will all be part of the voting pool, voting for the weakest take in the group. Who will be evicted from the island first? Will it be Zuri, who says, any answer, Kubo brother? Keep it in the family. Let's go. <laughs> Keep it rolling with the Greek freakness. Or will it be Akila, who says, listen, I usually go uh, for UK players. I thought she meant Great Britain, but she actually <laughs> meant uh, the University of Kentucky. 
And yeah. uh, blue. she moved that to the side and said, the Brooklyn Nets with KD and Kyrie and Harden. What about them? Of course, Caroline is is going to pick her hometown. Everyone, uh, check your Venmo. The Splash Brothers, Tall, Steve Kerr, <laughs> Steph Curry. And then Renee Montgomery, of course, says, wait till the Hawks get healthy with another year under their belt, spreading their wings. Trey, John, Capella. The lead. DeAndre, McMillan, McMillan, McMillan. You name it! <laughs> you name it! Voting coming in. Uh, I'm getting it via text. Wow, um, high tech. We have <laughs> one vote for Zuri. One vote for Caroline. Another vote for Zuri. Wow. They want to keep it out of the family. They want to move it out of the family. They say two brothers is enough. We really need to break a third Atsinakupo brother off. One vote for Renee. We have two votes, Zuri. One vote, Caroline. One vote, Renee. <laughs> I'm the proudest I've ever been in my life. I feel like that was a Caroline hater hater pick. And wow. I wrapped in everything. What? Our final vote and our first person evicted from the island. He didn't want it to happen, but it did happen. Zuri Irvin. Wait a minute. How many people, how many people voted? Do we need like three or four more votes? I mean, do I, wait. I oh, wait. Was I supposed yeah, to vote? No. I, I, oh, should I, should I not even out. call that out? Okay. okay I didn't wait, know. what happened, Carlton? million things. Most of them are for Zuri. He's out. We're good. <laughs> Zuri's out. <laughs> so we're just like, we're just like, we're eye testing it? God just decided. Okay. Wow. Okay. okay. So it's been Zuri, Love an you. unknown number of votes to <laughs> Zuri. <laughs> What do you have to say? I don't want to leave. You know, I thought I was going outside the box. I didn't pick a team. I still gave a Lakers shout out. I thought I covered all my bases. but I liked um, it. Well, I wish you were voting. Um, yeah. I'll get out of here. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks for playing, Zuri. Thank you for playing, playing Zuri. For Thank nothing. you. It's unclear. <laughs> it, again, it is unclear exactly how many people voted for Zuri, but Zuri does seem to be the 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 person who's out. Our second question. The Olympics are taking place uh, right now in Tokyo, of course. Question number two. How do you fix the Olympics just in general? Is that a COVID thing? Is that the number of sports? Is that the the, uh, time that the broadcast airs wherever you happen to be? How would you fix the Olympics? Let's start with you, Caroline. Caroline, how would you fix the Olympics? Okay, this is going to be controversial, and I want absolutely no questions. Good. Get rid of all the dudes, all the men's, no all the men's on, all the men on the Olympic committee, all of them. Mm. Just let women run shit. Let's just watch women compete and be fucking awesome. Like that's yeah. all we want, and it would be so much more fun, so much more competitive, but also like everyone would really be supporting each other, and I would just love that so much. Wow, an Olympics no where we support dude. each other. <laughs> Be like a women's bathroom. No you know, competitions. All those coaches support. have to be tall, and everyone has to be yeah. supportive. That's what sports is. Wow, <laughs> Caroline, what are you doing today? <laughs> uh, I have wow. time to prep. Today. And she thought and this would prep. fix it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the that's the solve. Ooh, ooh. I mean, listen, it's fine. I'm just I'm heckling you because I want to win. <laughs> Voters, you hear that? Wait, I have to ask a question. At a yes. certain point in the production meeting, Caroline said, "Ooh, I know my answer." Was this what came to you? I'm just curious. Was this the one where you said, "Ooh, I know my answer"? I'm not gonna 
reveal to you. <laughs> yeah. oh, you can't get into the secret it. sauce. How I operate in the competition. <laughs> Because it was like she had this epiphany during the production meeting. She said, oh, I know my answer. And I mean, she announced it. And I was like. Uh, she just imagined Steve Kerr shirtless like the Tonga torchbearer. <laughs> oh, on the sidelines of the game with a clipboard. Yes. And said, that's oh, it. That Those are the great. only dudes that are allowed involved in the Olympics. Akila, right. Here we go. Fix the, um, fix the Olympics. Oh, yes. How do you fix it? Well, this is also a controversial answer, but it is also the right one. Um, I think that everyone should have to be stoned if you're in Tokyo, wow. if you're even in proximity. I think we bring Shakari back in and just let, let let her shit on everybody. I want to see how well these people can <laughs> compete when they're in my typical after 7 p.m. state on a couch, a little stoned, trying to load Rick and Morty, and it's not coming up. Right? I want to see them compete. I want to see, you know, the USA basketball team Make make a basket. <laughs> wow! Achilles Hughes says it's the all-weed Olympics. Yes. <laughs> of course, the skateboarders uh, will have a leg up already. And now we're moving on to Renee. Renee, wow. how do you fix the Olympics? <laughs> All right, so listen. Because the Olympics bounce around, the time difference is always going to change. There's always going to be different teams coming in and out. I vote to just Nickelodeonize it or Sheldon explains it all. So there's going to be casual fans joining, fans that don't know other sports. I'm a basketball fan, football mm. fan. I don't know a lot about handball. So what if Sheldon explained it while handball was going on? Some slime comes across the screen. There's a lot of activity. <laughs> I think that that could be entertaining for all fans, kids, adults. Everyone could get into the Olympics if there was that. I yeah. love that. that what an incredible answer. Nickelodeon <laughs> I like the broadcast. I think that that's right. There's a reason <laughs> Slime Time Live was canceled. Let's, oh, wow! <laughs> let's go to the voting, folks. Who will it be in our second round to be evicted from the island? Will it be oh. Keela Hughes, who says, bong rips for every athlete before you get on. An yeah. IOC commissioner actually has to watch you light the bomb, <laughs> inhale it, rip the stem, inhale all the way. You gotta be baked before you go out there and watch Shikari shit on the field. Or will it be Renee? He says, let's Nickelodeonize this. Why is everybody pretending like they know about skeet shooting or air gun shooting or anything? You don't know this stuff. Just have a Sheldon-like figure come on and explain everything to you as you're watching. It'd be fantastic. Will it be Carolina says, no dudes, except for Steve Kerr. Didn't say that, but I'm okay with it. The only events are supporting each other and being great. This is how we come on the first all-woman panel. Yeah, This is it. This is proof of concept for what Caroline is talking about. And more proof of concept about this proof of concept in the voting where we have one vote for Caroline. Another vote for Caroline. <laughs> one vote for Renee. Some anti-Nickelodeon fans out there. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, Another vote for Renee. This is crazy. It's 2-2. Two, two. What? Caroline 2, Renee 2. Coming down the stretch. One vote for Aquila. <gasps> You're wrong. Two votes, Caroline. <laughs> Two votes, Renee. One vote, Aquila. Waiting for those deciding votes. If I get voted off on and my <laughs> greatest answer of all time, I don't believe this. And the final vote. And our second person voted off the island is for Caroline Reston. Rest in peace. 
bit. Caroline, <laughs> I thought it was a great answer. What do you have to say? <laughs> I guess I expected this. <laughs> That's all I have to say. I, I, I see you guys, and I understand who you wow! are. Whoa! <laughs> you know. The Caroline Reston Whisper Network <laughs> kicking into high gear to address this injustice. And we go to the finals. We go to the finals. Jesus. It is Aquila versus Renee. All right. Reminder, our jury will be voting for the winner. And here is our question. Recently, Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck went public with their renewed relationship, which has laid dormant for low these two decades with a series of photographs that referenced uh, Jennifer's uh, famous Jenny from the Block single and video. What celeb couple should get back together? Inspired by Ben and JLo. Renee, I'll start with you. First things first, rest in peace, Uncle Phil. For real. I want Uncle Phil and Aunt Viv, the original Aunt Viv, to get back together. Get the (laughs) gang back together again because we all know the vibes in the beginning. J. Cole said Uncle Phil basically raised him, and there's a lot of people that would agree that way. So let's get the family back together. Uncle Phil, Aunt Viv, the original. Let's go! Uncle Phil and Aunt Viv from the uh, classic and pioneering landmark series, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, James LaRavery, (laughs) has sadly passed away, but I love it. Akila, what celeb couple should get back together? Okay, so uh, it's another throwback, but uh, this person, no one's dead in the couple, so I just want to defend it by saying that. Oh, wow. (laughs) uh, I want it to be Reese Witherspoon and Ryan Phillippe, all right? They complimented each other. They were so hot and cruel intentions. They have children together. They are no longer together, but they are both having a weird renaissance. I just feel like for the 90s kids who love Bittersweet Symphony, just give it to us one time. Global warming is ending the earth, and we deserve this. We've been waiting for this. Please get back together. (laughs) Reese and Ryan. Wow. Cruel Intentions, the uh, famous updated version of La Danse. Something uh, anyway, Reese and Ryan, <laughs> Akila's answer. Let's go to the voting. The jury again to remind the jury is voting for who is winning. Will it be Akila who says Reese and Ryan Philippi? They have uh, wonderful children together. Uh, Reese having a renaissance as a producer, uh, not just as an actress. Ryan is. I, this is. I'm learning that he's having a renaissance right now in this in this contest. I, I was no not sure that he was having one. That he is that I said. It. <laughs> <laughs> or will it be Renee Montgomery who says, "Man, Uncle Phil and Aunt Viv, they were really uh, they were idols for a lot of people who were looking for that beautiful family structure, and they got it from Uncle Phil and Aunt Viv on the landmark program, The Fresh Prince of Bel Air." Votes are coming in now. Uh-huh. I'm on the edge of my seat. So stressful. <laughs> we have one vote to win for Renee Montgomery. We yeah, have another vote to win for Akili Hughes and Reese and Ryan. Another vote. Two votes to one. Akila. With another vote for Reese Weatherspoon and Ryan Philippi. I didn't even know they were dating. <laughs> we're tied 2-2 now. Another vote for Renee, 2-2. You see how they build the suspense? And another vote for Renee, 
And our final vote for our winner, Renee Montgomery. Congratulations to our victor, Renee Montgomery. Renee, what do you have to say? Now, this is a story all about how our life got flipped and upside down. And I'd like to take a minute and just sit right there. I'll tell you how they became the queen of the Take Live show. Let's go! Let's go! Good for you. I'm happy for you. An amazing, an amazing Take Survivor. Thank you to all our contestants. Akila. Shout uh, to Akila. Yes, Akila. And before you go, how, what is it? How, where, how, what is the Ryan Phillippe essence? Like, what is happening? Wait, is he doing something? I think something? he's on a TV show. You know, Good for him. once you called that out, I, yeah. I really can't point to anything else. <laughs> Congratulations to him on continuing to work. It is hard out here for the white guys in Hollywood. And that is it for Take Survivor. Join us next time. Bye. Goodbye, that is it for us. Follow and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to Take Line Show on YouTube for exclusive video clips from this episode, plus my digital series, All Caps NBA, which airs every Friday. Check it out, folks. See you next week. Let's go! Take Line is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Carlton Gillespie and Zuri Irvin. Our executive producers are myself and Sandy Gerard. Our contributing producers are Caroline Reston, Elijah Cohn, and Jason Gallagher. Engineering, editing, and sound design by Sarah Gibble-Laska and the folks at Chapter 4. And our theme music is produced by Brian Vasquez. Your home is your place of peace. It's clean. It's welcoming. And it's definitely not crawling with invading insects if you use Ortho Home Defense Max. Use it indoors on non-porous surfaces to treat and prevent cockroaches, spiders, and ants for up to 12 months. So your home can stay your place of peace, your work-from-home office, and your family's headquarters. Kill bugs inside, keep bugs outside, and love your home. Visit ortho.com for more.